All right, church, well, what a privilege of mine is to be able to stand in the pulpit once again, open up the Bible this Advent season. And in case you're new or visiting, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Carson Valley Bible Church. And, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke this morning. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, find your way to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up in verse 8. In verse 8. If you're using one of those Black Pew Bibles, that's going to be on page 857. 857. Now, as a reminder, uh, this Advent season, which is right, the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas Day, that's for the Advent season in the church calendar, where we're anticipating and longing for the coming of Christ, both by looking back at his first coming, but also then looking forward to his second coming. And for our the church, we decided one of the best ways for us to really prepare our hearts this Advent season is to look at four songs or four proclamations that are found in the Gospel of Luke that surround the birth of Jesus Christ. Four individuals, or as we'll see today, really the angels, basically proclaim that Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And we, I do believe that this, this song that we're going to see today, as well as every song that we're looking at during this Advent season, is showing us and reminding us that the Christ of Christmas should be adored, should be adored in new and fresh ways every single time we open up our Bibles. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to be looking at the angel song this morning, the angel song, a passage of scripture that I'm sure many of you are probably familiar with. It's, it's on the night that Jesus was born. But what I hope and what I'm going to pray for in just a moment is I pray that you would, even if you've read, maybe if you've been in church for a long time, right, you've heard the birth narrative, you've heard the angels come to the shepherds and announce that Jesus has been born, but I pray that you would see it with just new eyes this morning, new appreciation, new favor for who God is and what he has done and why we can basically walk out of this building this morning with just joy filling up our hearts. Because Jesus being born is the most important event in human history that has taken place so far. And I pray that we're going to do that, that we're going to stand amazed this morning, whether we've heard this a million times or maybe the first time. But I'm going to go ahead and just stop there for a moment, and I'm going to pray for us, I'm going to pray for you, and as always, as I'm doing that, I would ask that you just pray for me, and then we'll open up the Bible together. But let's go ahead and pray together. Well, Father, I'm thankful that, that you are a God who allows us to, to know you, that you're not a God that's hidden, that, that you're not a God that's a mystery in the way that we can't know the most important things about you, that we can know your character, that we can know your love for us, we can know why Christmas is not, not just about presents and getting time with family and and, and doing all the things which we love to do this time of year, but we would be able to have our hope, our hearts placed upon the reality that you came, God, and that you came for a reason. So God, I pray that you would just illuminate the text for us. God, I pray for our little kiddos um, in, in the room next door as they learn about this same story. God, I pray that they would see the angel song as being something for them as we long to see it something for us too. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. I'm going 
going to read through verse 20. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Church, that is the word of the Lord for us this morning. We are thankful for God's word. All right, church, so when we pick up here in this passage, right, we're picking up in verse 8 of chapter 2. If we were to have started in the beginning of chapter 2, we would have read that Jesus had been born, right? We would have read that Joseph and Mary couldn't find the accommodations that they were looking for. And so they ended up having baby Jesus in, in very humble circumstances, now, we don't know if it was a barn. We don't know if it was a cave. We don't know if it was even a family room. But all we know is it was humble circumstances because Jesus was basically laid in a manger after being born. Wrapped up and laid in a lowly manger. Think about that, church. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was here. He was here. And this baby was now breathing the very air in which he had created. Now here's where the author then zooms out, starting in our text in verse 8. He zooms out and pivots over to the countryside. And we're introduced to a couple of different characters. A couple of different scenes that we're going to look at. And here's what I want to show you as we look through the angel songs. I want to show you really the characters of the angel song. Who's involved? Why are they involved? I also want to show you the message of the angel's song. And then lastly, we'll look at the mission that flows from it. But let's start with the, the characters, or really the drama that's involved in what's taking place in verse 8. It says, in the same region, so nearby Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Here's what you need to know about shepherds, though. And this is an important aspect to understanding why this text has a pretty scandalous nature to it. If shepherds were not a respected profession in first century Palestine, right? Shepherds was a hard job. It was a dirty job, right? If that, that showed dirty jobs with Mike Rowe, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. If that had a first century Palestine edition, shepherds would have been on it. It was a hard job. Sheep had to be watched 24 7, 365. It was tough physically, emotionally. 
you have to know this. Now, not only was it physically tough, but it actually came with great cost to them. Shepherds were at the bottom of the social ladder, probably equivalent with those who had leprosy when it came to how they were viewed and respected in the culture of the day. They were often perceived as thieves and untrustworthy. In fact, so much so that a shepherd's testimony was not usually allowed in court in that day because they were deemed to be untrustworthy people. So not only was there a stigma around them just from a cultural perspective, but also from a religious perspective, they were not well-liked or even welcomed. The Jewish community would have deemed shepherding or shepherds as unclean ceremonially because of the work that they did. The things that they ate, the things that they had to do to survive day in and day out, they would not have been welcomed into the temple very often. So there was a stigma around shepherds. And I say all that because I want you to take, and I want you to consider this morning, church, that some of the lowliest people in the society at this time, the lowliest people in the culture, probably ones that never thought that their lives would amount to anything great or grand, and yet here they are, the very first people in whom heaven has decided to announce that Jesus Christ had been born, that the plan of God's redemption was moving forward, and it had reached a big, big moment. Think of those shepherds. Out of all the people, right, out of all the professions that existed in the world, God chose to send angels to speak to the shepherds first. That's grace, right? That's undeserved. That shows that God came for all, and he started at the bottom. And so imagine the scene, church. The shepherds are out at night, dozing, maybe in and out of sleep as they check on their sheep. It's completely dark outside. Now, we don't know exactly how far away they would have been from the city of Bethlehem, but even if they were right next to it, right, it would have been still very dark, right? There was no street lights. There was no high-powered LED lumens outside of people's homes. It would have been dark, very dark. But our text says that in verse 9, that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So all of a sudden, this dark night was pierced like a full raising sun. In so much that the only way that actually even Luke can describe it as the glory of the Lord shone around. So this night sky became illuminated with the presence and the glory of God himself. And it says that the shepherds were terrified. They had great fear. Rightly so, because an angel of the Lord stood before them. And remember that the angels of the Bible are not the angels that we typically have in our mind when we think about them. Right? They're not chubby little babies. Angels, biblically, are grown warriors of God himself. And so to have an angel stand before you would have been terrifying. You would have thought, this is it. This is the judgment. This is where I have to do, have to do penalty for my sins. And so they have great fear. Standing in front of this angel. Their very presence struck immediate fear into all of those who laid eyes on them. And so what does the angel do? What does the angel do? It says in verse 10, fear not. Fear not. 
I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to give you a message. I'm here to bring a message to you that was given to us by our creator. And he says to them, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Can you imagine this church? A dirty, undeserving shepherd working a job, right? Living a life trying to to make ends meet for his family. Or maybe he has taken up the family profession. He's just trying to do what he knows how to do. And these shepherds probably did not dream that their lives would be written in history books, right? That they would be remembered for centuries and centuries. But yet God has chosen to reveal to them first that God has come and he has come for them, for them. It's why the angel uses such personal language in that announcement, right? It says, I bring you good news. For unto you is born this day. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, who are the people? Right? Not all people. All the people. Why is that article in there? Because God was revealing in this moment that he has a people, a prized possession for him. And that he will seek to save those that are his. So who are the people? The people whom God has revealed himself to. The people in whom he has determined that are his. The people like you and I for some unknown reason. Nothing in our lives. Nothing in and of ourselves. God has decided to reveal to us that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the Lord. And God has opened up our minds and our hearts to him. Right? They probably thought that the angel was making a mistake, right? You missed it. Who you're probably wanting to talk to is in the city, not us. Right? Unless the angel actually used this personal language, they probably wouldn't have believed it was for them. And we can't brush off the significance of that church. The significance of that even in our own lives. Because I don't know about how you view yourself. I don't know how you view your significance in this world or think that you matter at all. But I can tell you with utmost confidence, based off of this text and many other texts in the Bible, that just like the shepherds, you are deeply loved by God. Deeply loved by God. He has created you in his image. And like the shepherds, he has revealed to you who Jesus is, Christian. He's revealed to you the one thing in which our souls desperately want to know is who is God? What is he like? Is that good news for me? And here we see that it is. That you are not forgotten. That God wants to reveal this to you. Reveal this to you again. Even if you've read this story a thousand times. It is no accident that you are being revealed that Christ is the Lord and he has come to you. Born to you this day. Christian. Take that. Ponder that. It's not an accident. God doesn't make mistakes on who he reveals himself to. He came to seek and save the lost. And he came humbly. And he shared the news with the humble, didn't he? To communicate that there is no one, then, that can't come to Jesus if they desire. There's no one out there. 
It's not just for the rich, right? Or just for the powerful or just for the influential, but for the lowly of us. And God starts with the lowliest. And all I can say is when, I, when we read about this church, we go, thanks be to God, because that's where I'm at. I'm not one who's, who's, who's thinking that my name is going to be written in the history books or I'm going to have this, this influential part in human history, but yet God has decided to reveal to me and to reveal to you who Jesus is this day through his word. Now, Charles Spurgeon, that great Baptist preacher of the late 1800s, I was reading one of his, his sermons this week, and he was actually talking about the manger, but talking about the same aspect of that God came for the humble, to demonstrate his humility and to demonstrate who he can come, who can come to him simply by being born in a manger. It wasn't an accident that he was born and laid in a manger. Look at this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It should be on the screen. He says, in being laid in a manger, he did, as it were, give an invitation to the most humble to come to him. We might tremble to approach a throne, but we cannot fear to approach a manger. Our Lord Jesus Christ was born in the stable of the inn to show how free he is to all corners. The gospel is preached to every creature and shuts shuts out no one, none. Church, do you see that the gospel coming to the shepherds first indicates and demonstrates that it has come for us all? This is, if this is who God is revealing himself to, this is good news for people like you and I. But what's good news about the angels coming is not just who it went to, but also what the content of what the angels said. So look at verse 11 if you have your Bibles open still. Look at verse 11 where the angel gives Jesus, and the announcement that Jesus has been born, he gives him three titles. Three titles to Jesus. Three titles that it says that he is born with. Which, take note, that means that he did not earn it. That he did not work his way up to it through maybe Jewish or religious works. But Jesus was born for a certain and particular reason, church. And what is that reason? Look at the end of verse 11. Born a Savior. Born the Christ. Born the Lord. Now this is really important. This is actually the first time in all of the Bible that we're seeing these three titles placed together in the Scriptures. The first time that all three of these titles are indicated that it is one person. One person. And so let's just walk through these. I want to show you them. That He is a Savior. Now, that might seem obvious to some, but let me show you just in a little bit of ways is how that would have been viewed. Because a Savior is someone who comes to rescue someone from affliction. Someone who comes to rescue someone that they cannot save themselves out of. A situation that they can't save themselves out of. But you have to know that the word Savior was used a lot in the first century. This is not the first time that they're hearing it. The word Savior was actually even used by Caesar when he started in 26 BC, around then, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, that the Roman Empire, by coming in and conquering the world, was actually going to bring peace to everyone. And so Caesar actually said, I am your Savior. I am your Savior. And so when Jesus is on the scene, and the angel says that, 
No, Jesus is born the Savior. There's even a political statement to that. That Jesus, what you need to be saved from, is far deeper than political strife or just governmental peace. It's much deeper than that. And what do we know that we truly need to be saved from? It's from the judgment of God. It's from the wrath of God. Where our sins and our rebellion and our betrayal of the one who has created us, that in and of ourselves we are enemies of God. Not able to save ourselves. Not able to earn our way into his righteousness. Not able to earn our way into his favor. Simply because we keep sinning. We keep sinning. And so Jesus came to rescue us from that. Because we could never do enough. We could never be good enough. And so Jesus came to rescue us from our own sin and to bring us back into a relationship with God, church. And how did he do that? He did that as the Christ, right? As the Messiah. It's this terminology for an anointed one. An anointed one. And here is why I believe that the angel is bringing this up. Reminding us that the anointed one or the Messiah or the Christ who has been predicted through all of the Old Testament as someone who was going to come, but not just someone who was going to come and die, even though that's what Jesus did, but come and live. Live the life that we couldn't live. Right? The one who was perfect in every sense, who never had an ounce of sin in his life. See, Jesus lived as the perfect one, as the anointed one. And what did Jesus do with that anointing? What did he do with that perfect life? That's the life he took to the cross, church. That's the life that he said, I'm going to substitute my life in place for sinners' lives. My life is going to act as a substitutionary atonement for those who could not save themselves, which is every single one of us. See, Jesus being a Savior and being a Messiah are so important. That he not just came to save us, but he came to also be the one we couldn't be. The anointed one in which we desperately always needed but then he's also the Lord. Not just the Savior, not just the Christ, but also Lord, which is how the Bible uses the proper name of God. The Lord, kurios is the Greek word. It's a term that indicates that Jesus is fully a God. Not a little bit God, not working his way into Godhood, but he was fully God, church. Fully man, yes but also fully God. And so why does that matter for us? Well, it matters for us because we're, what, 2,000 plus years removed from the death of Christ? So how in the world does one man's death actually make an impact for us centuries later? And we're banking on that for eternity later. It matters because Jesus was eternal. He was God. And so his sacrifice on the cross carries eternity in it. That is good news for us, church. That is really good news for us. But him being Lord also communicates that there's a submission to him. That he wasn't just a, a baby that we could admire, but a Lord in which we kneeled in front of. One that we, when any of even actually understands that Jesus is Lord, and not just some religious person that lived a long time ago, but actually God himself, that comes with a submission. That comes with an obedience, saying, you are God and I am not. And we have to remember that every Advent season. The baby in the manger is not just the baby, but God himself, 
who has come to rule and reign for all of eternity. And we're just getting this snapshot into his life. And so imagine this church again. Go back to this scene on that, that dark night with these shepherds. They're, and they're surrounded by sheep. right? And it's, it's actually... Uh, probably, we don't know for sure, but it's likely that the shepherds, the sheep that they were raising, were the very sheep that were going to be used in the sacrificial system for the atonement, the temporary atonement for sins of the Jewish people. That they are raising these sacrificial lambs that would one day be slaughtered. And yet, here are these angels saying, you know what? The Lamb of God, the last and eternal sacrifice of God has been born. And I'm revealing that to you first. That those sheep which will be slain will no longer be needed one day. Because this baby has been born. Now if that doesn't blow your mind enough, look at what happens next. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Praising God. So a host, we actually don't even know what number that is. It's probably a number that we can't even count. But all of a sudden the sky is filled with angels. Filled with angels. This host of heaven. An army of God's angels. And what they are doing is not bringing judgment, but really extending a, a time of performance. It's the heavenly choir, so to speak, that shows up in the sky because they begin to sing. And look at what they sing in verse 14. They say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now many of you have probably heard verse 14 in Latin before. You didn't know you knew Latin? But I'm going to tell you, you actually do know Latin it's Gloria in Excelsis Deo. That's what they sang in verse 14. Gloria in Excelsis Deo. It's the anthem of heaven. It's the anthem of Advent, church. When the angels sing, they are praising God. And they are announcing that, that glory to God in the highest. And why is that? Because the angels have been waiting for this day for a long time. The angels knew about the plan of redemption. They knew that God was going to send somebody to redeem his people. Maybe they didn't know all the details. We don't really know for sure. But yet when they understood that it was God himself who got off his throne and became human, took on flesh, took on humanity, all they could say was glory to God in the highest. Because what did they know? That we will soon experience is that in, in very tangible ways, we were going to be able to see the heart of God. We were going to be able to see the compassion of God. We were going to be able to see the mercy of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and so they're saying, this is glorious. For the first time, humanity is going to be able to see what we have been seeing for eternity in heaven. That's good news. And they say, peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I've always been, honestly, pretty struck by that last portion of the angel's song. What does that mean? Like, who is then pleased? Who's God pleased with? Because that's, that's the peace in which is promised here. And that should be really important to us. And like, who is God pleased with? The peace that is coming for all of the people, who is that? Who is God pleased with? 
And to those who have checked the right religious boxes, who obeyed the law perfectly, who in the world is God ultimately pleased with? That's the question that we need to always ask ourselves when we look at this stuff. And do you know where the answer comes from, church? It comes later on in Jesus' life, in his baptism. In his baptism. When God gives us the answer of who is God pleased with. And this is from Luke 3.22. So a little bit further on, when Jesus begins his earthly ministry, at Jesus' baptism, what we're reading about, it says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form talking about Jesus, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. There it is. Who is God pleased with? He's pleased with the son. He's pleased with the son. So you know how we experience then the peace that the angels announced? By being in Christ. By being in him by understanding who he is, by surrendering and trusting in the person and work of Jesus. That's how we are in him. And so when God the Father looks at us, he sees his own son. That's how we get peace, church, by belonging to the Prince of Peace and no other. And so this Advent season, right, as we're talking about peace, we're wanting peace, we're desiring peace, Know and believe and trust that the ultimate peace in which the angels have promised, we have in Christ. We experience in Christ. There's peace in no one but him. Now, last point, because we've learned about the messengers, we've learned about the message, but what about the mission? What happens next? Because whenever the gospel actually comes into a person's life, when someone actually beholds and takes heart this good news and what the angels have just announced, do you know what happens? Do you know what happens to the person? Mission does. You go, you tell somebody. And the, shower, the shepherds became the first heralders of the gospel in the first century. Now if you look back to the gospel of Luke, look at verse 15, 2 15. It says they leave their sheep and they go to see this baby as they were told about. Right? They wanted to go and see if this was true. And wouldn't we all? Right? Wouldn't we all want to see if this was actually true? And so they went. And they found Mary. And they found Joseph. And they found baby Jesus in the manger. And what did they do? They began to evangelize. Right? They began to share of all what they had heard and seen to anybody who was there. And it seems to indicate that there was a lot of people there. They told everybody. I think we might need to update our nativity scenes. Less animals, more people. Or just add more people. See, they shared what they were told. They shared what had happened to them. They told them the good news of this baby that was pronounced to them. And that really is the mission of God, isn't it? is to share what you've been told, to share what has been shared with you. And notice what they did not do. They did not question, oh, I'm, I'm just a shepherd. How can I tell somebody about this good news of what God has done? I don't have the right degree. I haven't gone to the right school. They didn't question whether they knew enough about the scriptures or not. Right? They didn't question if they knew their right apologetic arguments or not before they shared what they knew. Or whatever the reasons that we tend to come up with with not sharing what we know. 
The shepherds didn't. They went and went with haste. So they went quickly. And they shared that Jesus was a Savior who was Christ the Lord. And notice the response in verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They wondered about it. Maybe contemplated it intellectually. That's a really neat story, but I don't know how exactly how that would have actually worked out. But what hap- look at verse 19. We see Mary do something a little bit different, don't we? See, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. See, Mary took them a little bit deeper, more from the intellectual and something more than that. It says, pondered them in her heart. She treasured them because she knew that what had just been told to her was not just for her mind, but also for her heart. And she pondered it and she treasured it. Now, please hear me on this. This is not mean that Mary fully understood everything. This does not mean that all of Mary's questions had been answered. Right? We know later in the Gospels, actually Mary very much struggled with understanding who her son was at certain points. Asking the what's and the why's of Jesus, which we all can do, and that's okay. But know that when you are told about something about Christ and who he is and what he has done, our response should be to treasure and ponder them in deep within ourselves. What does this actually mean if I believe this is true? How does this actually impact my life? We're not just here for a Sunday morning hobby. You know that, right? I've told this many times. You're not here for the coffee. I made it this morning. It's not that good. It's not even the McCafe McDonald's brand anymore. I had to go with something cheaper because of the supply line shortage. We're here for Christ. We're here to know and remember him. We're here to to contemplate this baby that had been born. The one who would grow. The one who would die in our place. The ones who would resurrect. And the one in whom we are longing to come again. You see, the angel song is not just a Christmas pick-me-up. Right? It's not just to get us in the heavenly mood. It's not even just something that we occasionally or sporadically maybe throw onto a Christmas card. It's meant to go deep within our hearts and ponder them at the depths of who we are and to be embraced by every single one of us. And maybe for some of you that could be for the first time that you realize that you've actually never turned and embraced this Jesus. You may have understood the Jesus of history, but you do not understand the Jesus of redemption. What the angel song is doing this morning, church, is reminding us that this is so much bigger than just one moment, one night in human history, although very important. That night in human history has had a ripple effect through all of history. That's why we're talking about it this morning. In Minden, Nevada, thousands of years later, And so if you have never embraced this Jesus, I would encourage you to turn and embrace him today. Believe that this is true. Turn from those sins and trust in the Christ that died for you. Trust in the Christ, the Lord, who has been born to you this day. Now, lastly, really quickly, 
Not only did the shepherds share the good news to those who were around Jesus, but if you look at verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Church, one of the greatest elements of becoming a Christian is that you are actually called to return to where you came from. You're called to return to your jobs, return to your families, return to your friends, return to the, maybe a community that you were a part of, but as a changed person. Not because you have done the right things and you're trying to showcase this self-improvement plan, but you go and say, God has come. And by, based off of what he has done, I am changed. And so you bring good news of great joy, praising God for all of what he has done in your life. Church, make no mistake, this Advent season, the people that you are around, whether it's your jobs, your families, your neighborhood, you were sent there for a reason. And you were sent there for a reason this Advent season, and that is to glorify and praise God in whom has saved your soul. In a world that's dark and depressed, in a world that seems like the next great tragedy is always right there, Right, always threatening humanity. We actually come with good news. We come with good news this Advent season. Saying, behold, Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. Now church, this is why uh, when I became a Christian at 19 years old, I, I knew immediately then that I had to come back to this valley. I became a Christian up in, in Reno when I was attending the University of Nevada, Reno, and attending a church up there. In a time when many of my friends didn't want anything to do with this valley after high school. And there was a lot of part of me that didn't really want much to do with it either. I didn't think that I'd end back here. But when I became a Christian, all of a sudden, I knew I had to return. I had to come back. I had to tell my friends and my family, and I had to preach the gospel to those who knew that, I'm, I, I know God can use all kinds of people to share his good news, but I know that God has built relationships that I have for a reason. And so I wanted to come back. And I wanted to do what we see the, the shepherds doing, that's glorifying, praising God for all of what they had heard and seen. And we get to do that as a church this season. Right? We get to do that Every single Sunday. We even get to do that on Christmas Eve. One of the times we don't just meet on Sunday, but we're going to meet on Friday night. And remember the birth of Christ. And we get to do that as a church. What a gift that is. See, it's not just me returning, it's us returning. It's the people of God coming back. Good news for all the people. Do we know who all the people are in this valley? We don't. But you know what we do? We're going to nominate everybody and open up our doors to everyone and say, come and behold. Even if, a world weary is re- if the world is weary, we come rejoicing. We come rejoicing. And so what we're going to do is we're going to join the angelic choir, so to speak. And we're going to sing glory to God in the highest. And we're gonna, that's going to be the anthem of our hearts for the next few weeks. And spoiler alert, it's going to be for the rest of our lives. And that's a good thing. But let me go ahead and just pray, and then we'll respond in song.
Oh, Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we have a people who have a song to sing, that we as a people can come to you. Knowing that we don't deserve to to know or even have the message that we have. But God, we want to join those of us who know you, Christ, who, who understand that because you have revealed it to us, who you are and what you've done. We want to join all of redeemed creation singing glory to God in the highest. Help us do that well. God, what a gift it is to know you. And God, I pray that anyone who's, who's here, that maybe they don't know where they're at, that they would take that leap of just courage and ask you, God, is this true? Is this who you really are? And God, I know that you are faithful to reveal to your, yourself to those who seek you. God, what a gift it is to know you and to worship you. And all God's people said, amen.